we're part three of our series, Storehouse. This whole series is all about reaping and sowing, okay? So we reap what we sow. Whether that's positive or negative, we, it's still the same. We're still going to reap what we sow. Um, and I, let me ask you this question. Is your wallet like an onion? Is your wallet like an onion? Every time you open it, it makes you cry. Uh, anybody? Uh, or I hope, you never, I hope you never prayed this prayer last year, or maybe in the beginning of the year. I hope you never said, dear Lord Jesus, please increase my wallet and decrease my waist, but please don't get that mixed up like you did last year. Okay, anybody know what I'm talking about here? <laughs> so um, so today, today I want to talk about the principles that the, that the Bible teaches about being wise with money, but sowing these in our lives. Did you know, according to research, 67% of marriages in their first year have major conflict around the area of money. 50% of divorces can be di- directly attributed to the issue over money. Now, my, my younger brother, when he entered the police force, when he started his career in the police force, part of the first role is what they give to all the rookie cops. He had to t- attend all the suicides. And he said uh, the majority of the number one reasons for suicides, were, well, actually two reasons, was relationships or finances. Is what he had to attend um, back in the early days. And the money's a big contributor to this whole thing. Um, and, and you know what? And it, and it can be in a place where, um, um, which is why the Bible actually talks about is about a quarter of the Bible talks about finances. It, it really does because it, it really affects all of us. Think about it. You're working where you are because, because of money or whatever reason. It affects what we do. It affects what we do. Because if you don't sow, you don't reap. If you don't sow, you don't reap. If you want, you, you want a great marriage, well, start, grow, uh, start sowing into your marriage and start sowing to each other. If you don't look after your garden, weeds will overcome it. And um, I'm a little bit of a garden man. I've got a little garden at the back of my house. Uh, to be honest, I've only got only grow one thing, and that's taro leaves. I grow taro leaves in my at the back of my house because I love eating taro, you know, boiled taro leaves with coconut cream and corned beef. It's one of my favorite foods. I love it. And um, anyway, I went to the back of my house, and and I, I hadn't been at the back of my house for for months. And I went there, and I went to look for my taro leaves. And, and the reason being is because of COVID, we couldn't get out of the house. We were locked down. Locked down. I couldn't tend my garden. I was locked down in the house. Uh, <laughs> okay, that's, that was my excuse anyway. And so I went out the back, and there was no taro leaves. All there was there was overgrown grass and weeds and everything. And so I said, oh, man, I have to pull that out. So I got down on my hands and knees, and I called the kids, get over here. And pulled, no, just kidding. I got there, and I cleared. I cleared. If you know my kids, that will never happen. Anyway, I, I, I cleared it out and I found those little stalks underneath all these weeds and, and all that. And, and, I, and I'm tending the garden. I'm looking forward for Christmas so I can have taro leaves with coconut cream and corned beef again. So I'm looking forward to Christmas. And, um, but here's the thing. If you don't tend to it, what, you, or what you're trying to sow, from, what are you trying to reap from it? It's going to be swallowed up. So be careful. Tend your garden. What you sow, what you sow, you will reap. And, you know, if you're living in a realm of negative thoughts, uh, if you're living in a realm, well, you know what, um, man, my life, my life stinks, my life's dumb. If you keep sowing that in your life, you'll begin to live that future. So what are you sowing in your life? What are you sowing in your life? If you're praying for a better job, maybe, maybe pray that you become a better employee. Maybe that's a better prayer. Pray that you become a better employee. You know, are you the first and last one to leave? What are you sowing 
what are you sowing that no one else is sowing? What are you sowing that no one else is sowing? Why do you expect a harvest if you're still doing the same thing? Let us not blame everyone else or blame our start on life, but let's begin to seed for a better future today. Let's begin to seed for a better future today. Our past does not determine our future. We can choose today the very best for our future. Let's begin to seed. Let's begin to sow. And when we begin to sow, you will reap. You will reap. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. And it reads this. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And a lot of people have this myth that money is evil. Money is not evil. Money is not evil. The Bible says the love of money, it's the love of money that's all evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and, and perceived themselves with many griefs. Money is not evil, it's love of money. In other words, when your heart is all about money, if, it, if money doesn't get to your heart, you'll have it in your hand. Money doesn't change us, it unmasks us. You, you ever hear people say, oh, well, as soon as that person got money, he changed. Actually, it didn't, money didn't change him, it unmasked him. Or master them. At our master. It's a good servant, because money should be your servant. But if you let it be your master, it's a bad master. Money is a good servant, but a bad master. By the way, you don't have to have a lot of money for money to control you. You can have little money or no money, and it can still control you. Money destroys and money empowers. For example, you know, on a cold winter night, um, if you've got a fireplace, on a cold winter night, you, you light a fire in the fireplace, and it's warm, it's beautiful, it creates this atmosphere. But if you light fire in the wrong place, it can be devastating. It can be devastating because money destroys, and it also empowers. So how do we stop the love of money? How do we stop the love of money from taking over? Well, the Bible gives us foundation, foundational ingredients to stop money from controlling you. Did you know that? That's why the Bible talks a lot about money. Because it, it, it gives foundational ingredients to stop it controlling us. For instance, you know, for example, concrete. Concrete and cement are not the same thing. Concrete and cement are not the same thing. Cement is just one ingredient to make concrete. It's only one ingredient. To make concrete, you know, what you need, you need sand, you need some gravel, you need cement mix and water. Four ingredients. I got that wrong. I said it was three, but it's four. Four ingredients, not that I make concrete. But anyway, you mix it. So therefore, it's four ingredients. You mix this together, you set it, and you get a solid foundation. But, but you know what? If you don't have, add cement to it, it's not going to work. If you, if you re remove any of these elements, it's not going to work. Cement is a bonding agent. Like, likewise, with, with the, the financial ingredients that the Bible talks about, We've got to put all these ingredients together and I'll begin to give you a financial stability. Financial, um, financial, not disability, but stability. You might have a financial disability. I've got a financial disability. <laughs> I can't help myself, but anyway, I keep buying everything. Anyway, where was I? I was going to say something, but my wife always says to me, do you know what, I don't have to say everything I'm thinking. So I say, okay, I'll stop myself right there. Okay, so today we're going to explore these ingredients. So let's have a look at the first ingredients. But like concrete, we need all these ingredients to begin to build a solid foundation, a biblical foundation of financial stability. And the first ingredient is, number one is, giving. Yeah, okay, giving. <laughs> you might be here thinking to yourself, oh, yeah, I knew it. 
if, you're the, if this is your first time here, you probably, I know, the church always talks about money. Oh, they just want your money. They just want your money. No, we don't, but we are going to put an offering bucket going around pretty soon. Where's the offering bucket? No, just kidding. Giving, giving. Just, just hear, it, hear me out. Let's turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. This is what uh, the Apostle Paul, what he writes. He says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in awe in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. You know, giving has more to do with your heart and the act of giving than how much you give to God. Did you know that? The giving has more to do with your heart in the act of giving than it does with the amount. You know, this word tithing, if you've been around church circles for a long time, you hear this word tithe, tithes and offerings, we need to pay our tithes, pay our tithes. Tithing is, is an Old Testament phrase, and, and tithe means tenth part of, tenth part of, that's what tithe means. And so the, the, the ancient Israelites were, were required to pay a tithe of their annual produce to the temple. Now, and that's where we get this word tithe from, this tenth part of, of the annual thing. But actually, to be honest, it was more than just a tenth. In fact, it was around about 33% of what they would give. And so this is, this is what they would give. And so you'll hear these terms. So in church, you'll hear people say, pay your tithes, which is 10% of your income. Um, but it's really an Old Testament phrase around what this was. I'm just telling you this because when we read the Apostle Paul, when he begins to say this, speak to us in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, what he's saying here is it's not actually about the amount. It's not actually about the amount, but it's about your heart. It's about where is your heart? What has your heart? What has your heart? And the Apostle Paul is, is connecting something. He's connecting that. You actually, your, your heart is actually connected to, your, to money in a good way or a bad way. In fact, I, I can tell you what, your, what, what has your heart. Just, show, just have a look at your bank statement. Read where are you spending all your money? Because where you spend the money most on? is, is um, where your heart is. For me, apparently, it's all my children because they have all my money. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, let's, let's move on. And that's what, that's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will always be. Many people ask me, how much should I give then? How much should I give? And I always say this, and while it's totally up, it's between you and God. You need to get a revelation. But for me and my house, we give 10%. And the reason why we give 10% is because we were asking the same question too when we first came to church, how much should we give? And so we figured, well, God had a good idea in the Old Testament, we might as well just use it. Because I, I was like, man, am I giving too little, too lot? I'll just start, I started with the 10%. And so we started with the 10%. And, the, and you might be saying, well, you know, I actually need that 10%. Well, I need that 10% too. But I'm sick, we're sick and tired of money controlling us. And if you can't trust God, who can you trust? So this whole idea of giving, this, this, this element of giving, um, it's about your heart. God's not, God doesn't need your money. In fact, giving is not a benefit to the church. Giving is not a benefit uh, to the church at all. But it's there to say, God will always meet my financial need. It's that I trust you, God. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you, so for us, I'm giving God this portion I'm, I'm giving this to you because I'm trusting you, God. Well, who else am I going to trust? And then God will release the rest. 
Because this is what it's like before we started giving. I'm holding on to everything. Everything counts, and I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I don't want to give away and give away. But as soon as all of a sudden, for the giving sense, I'm, I'm releasing to God, then all of a sudden money does not control me. We're sick and tired of money controlling us. We're sick and tired. This is what we decided, what we decided to do. And so that, does giving to God, does that guarantee financial release? Does giving to God guarantee financial release? And the answer is yes and no. Great answer, right? Yes and no. And so, so what I mean by that is because it's just part of the ingredient. It's like concrete. If we just use cement, we're not going to have concrete. We need, you need all the ingredients. So just giving, just giving is, is not going to make you financial. You need the rest. This is going to get us to the second ingredient. Actually, before I get to the second ingredient, I just want to share about um, just a, a, what happened when we decided, when we come into the church, we decided, let's do this 10% because we just didn't know where to go. We thought it's just a good place to start, and plus we're sick and tired of money controlling us. And so we, we became um, students, and we got student allowance. And so for, for back then, a combined student allowance, couple's allowance was $350. So we as a family lived on $350, which we were a family of nine. Family and I, we lived on $350. We were in housing, so we had housing, so we didn't have to worry about the housing, but we just, the $350 went to schooling, food, paying all, power, phone, uh, gas for the car, and uh, eating. Okay, that's where we went. Um, but this, so anyway, um, during that year, there was a glitch in the system. They were, they were $200 short, $200 short on giving, and $200 short, it's huge for us because we were living on 350. Okay, so, um, so, but we had already set aside 10% of that. We already set that aside, even though we only got uh, 150 of that money. We still set aside 10% of the 350. Anyway, come Sunday, Sunday morning, we're down to one nappy, our youngest son, Te Pare. Uh, this was last year. He was still in nappies. No, just kidding. When he was little, <laughs> when he was little, he was in nappies. Okay, we were down to one nappy. Uh, we only had half a bottle of milk half a loaf of bread, and the light on, on the, in the car for petrol came on. It was on E, E for enough. And um, you know what I'm talking about? Anyone know what I'm talking about? E for enough. Oh, yeah, the lights come on. It's right. I know my car. I know my car. Anyway, light came on. And I said to Porto, I said, Porto, said to my wife, I said to him, you know, um, God won't mind if we use their tithe just to, you know, let's just buy milk, buy bread, put $5 in the car, get us through to Tuesday. You know, God won't mind. And Porto's like, she was stubborn. So it's like, we made a decision. We decided that we we're going to set aside and nothing, and no matter what will happen, that we, she, we've decided. And then she said to me, aren't you the man of God? Aren't you the one that says that, that we can always trust God? Aren't you the one that says that God will provide all your needs? Now she's turning it around on me. And I'm like, and I was like, okay, yeah. And I said, like any good husband, I said, yes, dear. Yes, dear. Uh, so, so you know what? And so we got to church. The kids were pushing the car all the way to church. <laughs> it's good having seven kids, eh? You're like, keep pushing kids. Nearly there. I'm sitting in the car. Nearly there, kids. Keep going. Anyway, we get to church. And then, uh, and then as I released um, our giving into the giving box, all of a sudden I felt the peace of God just come on me. And I, I, this huge excitement came upon me. I was like, I'm excited what God's going to do. I, I don't know how God's going to do it, but I'm excited what he's going to do. After church, nothing happened. We, the kids pushed the car back and we had nothing to eat for two days. No, actually, no, that's not what happened. What happened after church 
um, a, guy, a man came up to me and he, and he gave me a thank you card. And the reason he gave me a thank you card because two months earlier I helped him move. In fact, I was the only one who helped him move because it was last minute and I was the only one available. He had a sore back, so I moved this whole house by myself. And I was like, man, this house is heavy. Well, we should just move the furniture. What in that? Anyway, anyway uh, and so we moved the, And so he comes up to me and he gives me the thank you card. And he goes, Ants, I'm so sorry. I was meant to give you this card last month. I kept forgiving, kept forgiving, forgiving, forgetting. Uh, I was forgiving because he kept forgetting. So he kept forgetting, and he, and he, gives, me, and he gives me the card. I said, hey, no worries, no worries. He goes, no, no, take it. So I said, I'll take it. And then he left. I opened up the card, and there was $200 uh-huh. in this card, in this card. Please don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that uh, if, you, if you're struggling, you've got to give it away. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. Thank you. We've got the offering buckets ready. Tiffany, I'm going to put it ready. No, just kidding. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just sharing our story. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure uh, this is. Uh, yeah, this is. This is what what I believe. You know, I I believe that um, coincidence happen, but I notice that coincidence happens when I pray, and I notice that when I don't pray, coincidence coincidences don't happen. Anyway, leave that with you. Yeah. So anyway, what's the second ingredient? If second is giving, is, is I'm releasing. I'm not. I'm trusting God. I'm not trusting in me. Now the second one is. Is something that we in church don't talk about much. We always talk about giving, and we also always talk about sowing, but we, well, we never talk about reaping. We never talk about saving. And saving is a biblical, uh, is a biblical lesson. Um, I'm trying to say here, biblical thing. <laughs> it's a biblical thing that we should have in our life. It's in the Bible. Because I know people who are, who are very generous. In fact, they've given everything away. They heard a need and they gave. But when they get to 50, they've got no money for a deposit for a house because they've given it all away. And, and, and they're, now they're in their, their old age, they've got, they've got nothing. And they're like, God, I, I was generous, but, but it's not working. See, they've got a good understanding of sowing, but not reaping. And saving is a, is a biblical, is a, is a biblical um, found ingredient, foundation. Want to turn with me to uh, Proverbs chapter 13. Verse 22, and it says this, a, person, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. In other words, I'm going to make sure that my children's children will have an echo of my life. It means that, I'm, that my children's children will have a platform to stand on. So if you do it God's way, you're not only unlocking your future, but you're unlocking your children's children's future. See, your savings, where does your savings go? They go to non-depreciating assets. Okay, so if, you, if you've got debt, it's going to paying off those debts. That's what it's going. Once you've paid off your debts, it's going to save up for a deposit for a house. If you've got a house, it's going to paying off that mortgage for the house. What's the house for? It's for my children's children. That's what it's for. It's, 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 um, that's where it's going. Your savings is not going for a holiday. What you, this, you're not going for a holiday. It's not, going, it's not there for retirement. That's what KiwiSaver is for. I wish I read KiwiSaver earlier when I started working. That would have been more, more helpful. Um, but this is for the generation that follows you. You're here to set up your children's children. Can you imagine having grandparents, grandparents who would say to you, don't worry about saving up for a deposit for a house. We've got it for you. And now you're releasing them to be a blessing to others. And just, on, just on, a, on a side note, just deviating from savings, just, I'm going to go to KiwiSaver now. 
KiwiSaver. KiwiSaver is there uh, to help people for, get a deposit for their first home, but ultimately is there for retirement. And um, I had this um, young person come up to me and ask me, what percentage should I put into KiwiSaver? Because they just started working and they, they had this option, 3%, 4%, I forget what it was, 8% or 10%. Which percentage? He was thinking more 3%. Because if he gives, if three, rather than giving 3% 3, 3 to KiwiSaver, I give 3% Kiwi, 3 of KiwiSaver and he's got more money in the hand. So I said, but he still had to made up his mind. So he asked me this question, which one should he choose? And I said, look, I'm not going to tell you which one um, to choose, but I'm going to ask you this question. And you ask yourself, what would your future self thank you for? What would your future self thank you for? That you put only a minimum in for your retirement or the maximum? What would your future self thank you for? What, what will they give you a high five for, or what will they do? To, or what will they give you a slap on the face for? Which one? You choose. And he said, "Well, I guess my future self will thank me for that I gave the maximum." And I said, "Well, you just answered your question." But anyway, that's something you can ask yourself. Ask yourself, "What would your future self thank you for?" Anyway, so the, the, so those are the first two ingredients. They go hand in hand. So it's your giving. It's releasing. It's like oh, you know, I'm trusting God. I'm not going to let this money control me. Now it's going to savings. I'm thinking, I'm thinking generationally. I'm thinking well, um, saving is not only going to unlock my future, but my children's children's future. Wouldn't you want to set your children's children up? Your grandchildren? And, and it's in the Bible. And so what's the third? What's the third ingredient? It's the third ingredient, and you need all three ingredients. And the third ingredient is spending. Spending. I know, I know what you're thinking. Hey, I've got that down. I'm an expert at Spending. Come on, Black Friday, here I come. Sale, sale, sale. I've got this. I've got, I've got it down. But actually, that's the problem. Our spending is out of control. Our spending is out of control. And uh, the bubble verse I want to share with you today um, has my name in it. I was really surprised. Yeah, is your name in the Bible? When you find your name in the Bible? Well, I found this verse has my name in it. I want to share to you this Bible verse that has my name in it. And so if you don't know what my name is, my name is Ants, just in case you don't know my name. Because I, I said this verse and, and they got the wrong name. Anyway, here it is, Proverbs chapter 6. This is what it says. Go to the ant, you sluggard. I said that one time and they thought my name was sluggard. I said, my name is Ants. Anyway, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. What a great verse about your name. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. See, wise is not a feeling. It's a decision point. You can choose to be wise or not. You can be choose to be wise with your spending or not. You decide. You can be, be like a sluggard or you can be like the ant. Consider its ways and be wise. Anyway, verse 7. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. See, this is about leading yourself. It's about leading yourself, whatever you do, self-control. You know, if you can't lead yourself, how do you expect it to lead others? Then verse 9. <coughs> how long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. You know, we think... We've got spending nailed. But that's the thing that's out of control. This is why we run programs like CAP. If, you, if, you, if this is out of control, I encourage you to get onto our CAP course. It's about financial um, 
how you spend your money and spending it wise to be like the ant, not the sluggard. Um, the key aspect for financial release is living within your means. Stop living beyond your means. Live within your means so you can live beyond. Do you get that? Stop living beyond your means. Live within your means so you can live beyond. When you live to your current means, you live free. When you live to your current means, you live free. Yeah, you, you know what? You, know, you might not have everything everybody else has, but if you work hard, you will. If you be wise and not a sluggard. So these are the ingredients for building a biblical foundation. These are the three ingredients. It's like concrete. You need all these ingredients for a firm foundation. And so we need these three ingredients. It's, it's giving, it's saving, it's spending. These are the three ingredients, not one or the other. If you just take one, it's not going to set the firm foundation. It's all three. It's about giving. So I'm, 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 I'm trusting God. I'm, rele- I'm not letting money control me. I'm releasing it's all about my heart. It's, I'm not letting money take control of my heart, um, but it's about releasing. It's about saving. It's about unlocking your future and your children's children's future. And it's about being wise with your spending, not being out of control, living within your means so you can begin. When you live within your means, you can then live beyond. And it's about spending these three elements. And we have this principle called the 101080 principle. This is what we have been living on uh, from the beginning, 101080. It's 10% to giving. We release that, God. Uh, I'm giving you, we're releasing this portion to you, and I'm allow you to bless the rest. And then 10% towards saving, like for us, the early days was going paying off our debts. 10% paying off our debts. Then it went to saving up for, um, uh, for uh, saving up for deposit. And then 80%, we live on the 80%. And in that 80%, it's like we give to World Vision, we, uh, we, we give to our children. <laughs> we, uh, uh, you know, we live, we, 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 you know, we drive on uh, uh, E is enough. No, just kidding. So we, we have all these things. That's the 1080 principle. And, and you know what? Um, I'm not saying that you've got to do this exactly. But what I am saying is that you've got to do something. Do something. Live within your means so you can live beyond. Don't be somebody who spends everything that comes your way. And equally, don't be somebody who gives everything away that is coming your way. But it's about being wise and not like the sluggard. You know, I shared earlier about how, you know, me and Porter Ruff on the beginning, we decided that we're going to do 10%. When we first arrived in this church, we weren't married. We're married now, just in case you're worried. We are married. Senior pastors aren't married. Anyway, we, are, we weren't married. We had five children. Um, we had five children. We added two more. Now we've got seven. Um, I'm not sure why, but you know, just kidding. I'm so glad we did. Uh, we now have, uh, and we also now have four grandkids. It's amazing. Uh, I didn't realize they multiplied. But anyway, <laughs> and uh, we arrived to church, and uh, we, we didn't have much. And um, you know what? Uh, my official address was in Auckland. I still wasn't convinced about Hamilton. My official address was, in, but I spent more time in, in Hamilton than I did in Auckland. Um, and you know what? Uh, when we started coming to church, Porter was receiving a benefit. And when we started coming to church, we were like, we've got to do, you know, we've got to do the things God's way. And so we, we were honest. We, we let go of this benefit, and we began just to live on uh, my income, and we made this decision of, to give 10%. And you know what happened? <laughs> Man, that, that next week we became millionaires. No, that did not happen. 
what happened was that we were drowning in, in finances. We, we, we were drowning. We were struggling. We were just all on my income. The stress, everything was through the roof. And, and I was like, man, God, we decided to do things right. We decided to do things honestly. But instead of being a blessing, we, we feel even more cursed. And that's when I got, got a revelation on my heart that the troubles I'm in right now is not because I've done things right. It's, it's all because of me. It was because of my dumb decisions that I made earlier. But, but, but I just felt the peace of God come upon us when we began to, to, to trust God. Because if I can't trust God, who am I going to trust? I'm certainly not going to trust money. That's how I got in this situation. Uh, we began to lean, and we began to chip away at this, chip away at this. Have you ever had your car repoed before? You know what it's like to get a car repoed? Well, I voluntarily repoed a car. <laughs> because I, I'm a very proud man. And no way did I want somebody coming to my workplace saying, could I speak to him because I'm here to repo the car? I've seen that happen. And so I volunteered to repo the car. I don't want anybody to see a repo the car. And you know what? Um, I started using, uh, riding on my daughter's bike to work. I worked night shift. I couldn't fit the helmet on my head. And I kind of extended the stress, just trying to get in there. And so I'm riding this bike just to get to I worked graveyard shift just to get there, just to get there. We couldn't afford a car. You know, even um, milk. So we had a one-liter jug. What, every day I would pour, pour in the milk and went to halfway and then we poured the rest of water and so the kids said this is for your cereals this is the only time we're going to have milk because we had to ration our milk and so um, have it on your cereals and if, the, if we caught the kids drinking the milk they were in trouble because milk is gold okay? don't do that um, and, and this, was, this was our life and, and um, we started and we were tithing it and then we became students and then we even had less money you know, we get, I, res, I, felt the call, you know, I felt the call of God on our life. I gave up my job. They were giving me a promotion. They offered me a promotion, which means it was extra money. The, the, answers, the answers to my financial problems, my job off, gave me a promotion. They wanted me to be a team leader for the, for the work here in the Waikato. But I turned it down and I resigned to become a student, to have no money. To even, what, what, what little we had, we even less but we trusted God. I'm not going to let money dictate. I'm going to trust God. We, we did this. And it was amazing. Uh, we'll come home and we'll find like meat packs in our house. We'll find trade eggs at our house. And, and God just provided. And, and it just blew my mind how God turned up time and time again. We had a family reunion back in the Cook Islands. We took a whole family there. We went to the Cook We spent three weeks in Raro. We slept in the tent for three weeks, but hey, it was still awesome. Still Raro. <laughs> Three weeks on, on our family land under the trees. It was awesome. Zip up, keep all the insects out. I think it was better than sleeping in the house, to be honest. <laughs> in our family house, in our family property. And I said, God, God is so good. God is so good. Fast forward today. Today, we now own our own home. I'm paying off a mortgage. We now own our own car. It's, it's 2017 model. And, and here we are today. Now my grandkids come home and they get, Papa, I'm hungry. I'm hungry, Papa. And you know what? I pour them a glass of milk any time of the day. And when I see some of my older kids haunting them, and Price, Price was on the drums, they remember that they had the milk and water. Weren't allowed to drink it. Now, they, now their, grand, their kids are drinking milk. But here's the thing. I should have turned off my... Here's the thing. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously 
will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. You need a revelation. That's what you need. It's not about the money, it's about your heart. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Has God got your heart? And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need, plenty left over, and to share with others. You know, this didn't happen. I wish that this, we've got what we've got now after the first year. It took time. We've been in this church now 17 years. But you know what? When we go shopping, when I go buy groceries, I, I remember just even a couple of weeks ago, I went to the car with, with meat and I'm putting it in the back and it just hit me. And it took me back to the early days when we had nothing. You know, we know what it's like to struggle with having nothing, being in want, letting money control you. And then making that big decision, say, God, I'm going to give. I need every cent. <laughs> I'm going to give. And then the release. And slowly, by slowly putting these principles in our life, come on, and these are the ingredients for financial stability. It's not going to happen overnight. <laughs> Just like Pantene, it will happen. I've got to help myself. <laughs> come on, let me pray for you.